Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, You might have noticed a theme running through all of our readings today. Um, It's a theme of planting and of growing, of new creation, of new life. And I thought, ah, well, this week I, um, I posted on my Facebook page a picture of my African violets. You have to know that um, I do not have a green thumb. Everything that has ever been living that has come into my house has decided it might as well commit Harry Carey right away than uh, die a slow death. So, and indeed, um, somebody told me that bromeliads are indestructible, but they were destructed in my household. So, but um, a while ago, um, I, my mother always used to have African violets wherever she was on the kitchen windowsill uh, with light coming in, and that's just something I remember about mummy and her talking to her African violets as she was at the sink um, on the windowsill. And so I saw one in, um, in a grocery shop and I thought, well, let me just try. And, um, and so I brought it home and put it in my window as well and did actually figure out that you water it from the bottom, not from the top. Um, and so kind of Um, kept watering it, forgetting it, watering it, forgetting it, and they're very forgiving, African violets, apparently uh, they were to me. So this is my um, mummy, African violet, which grew like that and um, has been stroked and talked to and is my sweetheart, okay? So this is my mummy, African violet. So it was, it was even bigger than this. Its lower branches were kind of coming out, and I thought, gosh, I, I wonder if I can actually propagate it. Wouldn't that be amazing? And so, um, so I got on Google, the fount of all wisdom, after Ethel, of course. And then, so I, I, um, I Googled it, and it said, well, actually, it's quite simple. You just snip off a leaf and stick it in the soil. And I thought, I can do that. So um, I snipped off several leaves, and each one I'm cutting, I'm saying, I'm so sorry, it's okay. We're going to have babies, maybe. And, and so I'd stick it in the soil, and, and there wasn't enough room for all of them on the dresser in front of the kitchen window. So some kind of put got put a little bit higher up and, and then some got put outside. Um, it's still kind of shaded, but I kind of forgot about the ones outside. And, um, and the ones that were high up, I didn't always remember to water either and they didn't get as much sun as the others. So all of these, and there's some others at home, Um, were planted the same time in the same soil. And so just a couple of weeks ago, hello, yeah, you're so good, aren't you? This one flowered. (laughs) So so this is one of the mummies, the babies, and um, so it's doing really well. Um, This one, poor thing, I, I kind of forgot about a little bit. And and this one was up on one of the shelves high up and didn't actually get as much sunlight. But 
but he's still doing fairly well. Um, this poor one, um, it is in there a little bit. Um, this one was outside, and I finally remembered it a few days ago. Um, in actual fact, it was much more poorly than this when I remembered it. There was just a little bit of a leaf uh, going through there. I repotted it and put some of that fertilizer in there for African violets, and it's actually deciding that it might want to survive. So the theme of today's sermon is, are we surviving or are we thriving? And so keep that in mind as we go on through the sermon, because um, we're the planting of the Lord, Are we surviving or are we thriving in the Lord's garden? So we start off with the Ezekiel passage. And uh, the Lord tells Ezekiel about him taking off a really young shoot, just a tiny little piece of plant life at the very top of a tree, a tenderest of shoot that is coming up and he's going to plant it and he's going to tend it and he's going to make of it a huge tree that expands outward so great that all of the birds of the air will be able to find shelter within its branches. It will extend out and he says and all of the other trees will recognize that this is the Lord's doing. That it's not a human hand that's been able to do this. But this tree is going to grow so great because the Lord is planting it and caring for it. He promises it and he will accomplish it. That is what the promise is at the end of the passage in Ezekiel. He has promised, and so he will accomplish that which he has promised. So when Jesus is talking about the parables for the kingdom of heaven, when he talks about the smallest seed, a mustard seed, that then grows into this huge tree in which all of the birds of the air can make their nests, his hearers are going to go back to the Ezekiel passage. Oh, yes, God said that. So Ezekiel's prophecy is actually about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven or God's rule or God's reign, all of those things that describe God's spreading reign over all of the world. It's not a kingdom that has boundaries that you can see on a map or on the globe like we can for the boundaries of nations. I've used this uh, image before. If we were out in space and we were looking back at our beautiful globe of the earth and we were looking at the darkened face of the earth from outer space and we could see the pinpricks of light. So the darkness of the earth is under the thrall of sin and the evil one, under Satan's rule. And yet, God's kingdom, his rule, his reign is spreading. 
with these pinpricks of light and some of them join up and then they join up with others and it's spreading out through the entire globe. That's another image. The image Jesus uses is like a sower who sows his seed and he goes to sleep and he wakes up and he goes to sleep and he wakes up and it's underneath the soil and it's germinating and it's sprouting and then it's shooting and it comes up fully through the earth and when it's time when it's ripe when all that is to be is to be done and the Lord returns then is the harvest it's the harvest of the Lord who comes sometimes we look out and we hear what's going on in all of these different places. And we're looking at Daniel right now. And um, Daniel is this, is this book that tells us over and over again that in spite of present appearances, God's rule, that he is sovereign, that he has the world in his hand. In spite of present appearances, it's a word for us today, isn't it? As we, as we hear and we, uh, we hear what's going on in the Middle East, and it seems like evil has the upper hand, that evil is spreading, not the light of Christ is spreading, and yet we're starting to hear stories that in the middle of all of that, that situation is actually raising up Christians in those countries. I've been uh, listening to a book on tape. It was, uh, I hesitated to buy it because the title, frankly, put me off. It's called Killing Christians. But it has been the most amazing book to read, listen to, by an author called Tom Doyle. And he's got a ministry in all of these areas, in North Africa and the Middle East and other areas. But the stories are about how people are awakening to the love of Christ. And they're becoming Jesus followers in Syria, in ancient Babylon, Iraq, in Somalia, in places in, in Egypt in places where to profess faith in Jesus, to follow Jesus, is actually to be pretty much assured of death. And yet, they have no fear. There is no anxiety. They are alive in their faith in Christ. And so they go with Bibles to mosques where they share the love of Christ in a world, in an area, in the Gaza Strip, where they're in camps, where there is violence. And the love of Christ is being seeded into these places. And at the end of the book, he said, these, your brothers and sisters, don't want you to feel sorry for them because they are not afraid because Jesus is with them and just like the early church 
who were persecuted, they know that if they choose Christ, they will probably die sooner rather than later. And many of them do. But they know where they're going. They know that they will be in Jesus' presence. We have absolutely no frame of reference for that here. And yet they say, what we want you to do is we want you to come alongside us. We're praying for you in the West, they say. But will you pray for us? I encourage you to read this book. It's story, it's first-hand story after story with names like Nuri, Ranya, Shukri, Ali, Jamil. They are spreading the light of Christ. So in spite of what we read on the news, the tree of life, Christ's kingdom is spreading and it's spreading in unlikely places. And the Lord says in this parable that this kingdom will spread until such time as the harvest comes, the end of the age, when Christ returns, the day of the Lord, the day of judgment. This is what Paul says also to the Corinthians. He says, all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. See, although we can be assured that because Christ died, and through faith we have died with him and been raised new creation, Paul says in this letter, it does not mean that, we do, we, that what we do as new creation people will not be judged at his second coming. What we do as new creation people will be judged. All will be judged. We will all stand before Christ at the last day. And even though his blood has covered us, we will recognize deeply as we might not now all of that which we did either for the good of his kingdom work or against his kingdom work. And we will truly recognize how much we need a savior, that we cannot do this in and of our own. And he will reveal those things to us, says Paul. For we've been called not to a passive faith, but to an active faith. To choose minute by minute, day by day. Will we live a kingdom of God life or will we live a fleshly life? Will we choose the moral good that we hear in God's word or will we choose to go and follow a sinful life and the ways of the world, the old creation body or the new creation body? Minute by minute, day by day, are we expanding the kingdom of light or going into the kingdom of darkness? Paul says, let us be, we are new creation. Let us live into 
God's new creation planted in the soil of Christ's love. We are the planting of the Lord. Our roots are placed into the soil of Christ's love. But even if we're all planted at the same time into the soil of Christ's love, are we surviving or are we thriving? Are we flowering? Are we bringing forth fruit in his kingdom? Are we bringing in fruit for the kingdom of God? Is the kingdom of God spreading through us? Paul reminds us, and this is, um, this is after today's reading, but it has to do, uh, it's a continuation of Paul's thought. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And we look at the psalm. The psalmist says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and shall spread abroad like a cedar of Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Remember the little twig from the top of the cedar tree in Ezekiel? It doesn't matter our age. It doesn't matter if our outer body seems dried up, that we're shriveled up. It says... They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be green and succulent, that they may show how upright the Lord is. See, we're all planted in the same soil. We're all planted in the love of Christ. Some had the right light. Some had the right amount of water. What what is that which makes us not just survive, but thrive? The light of Christ in his word. It is being in his word that is the nourishment that we need, not just to survive, but to thrive. It is the food of the sacrament that makes us thrive and not just survive. It's being a part of the body and coming regularly to receive the nourishment of the sacrament that moves us just from surviving to thriving. 
and it's being ambassadors of reconciliation that bears forth the fruit and the flower. Because that's what we are to be. We are ambassadors of the reconciling love of Christ. If we just stay planted in our plant pots, then we won't thrive. We'll just survive. We're each to be ambassadors of reconciliation. We're to be reconcilers within our families. We are to be ministers of reconciliation within our friend groups. We are to be ambassadors of reconciliation in our business environments. We are to be reconciled one with another within our church family. We are to be ambassadors of reconciliation. We are to be the flower on the plant, the fruit of the plant. And that comes about by, by being God's people in the world with a message of love, with a message of reconciliation. It's what's happening in Egypt. It's what's happening in Syria, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in Somalia, in Nigeria, in Uganda. They are alive with the love of Christ and the message of reconciliation. They are being martyred and they are looking their murderers in the eye and saying, I forgive you, my brother. Jesus loves you. And they're going to their death like the early church. What is called on for us is much less, but still a lot. This week, We're to be ambassadors and always in our lives. Ambassadors of reconciliation. Ask the Lord where he would have you thrive in his kingdom work. Where he would have you speak the word of his reconciling love this week. Wherever he places you, in whatever environment, in whatever conversation that we may be those who are the planting of the Lord, new creation, not just surviving, but truly thriving, his planting. Amen. Please.